Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Movies, Films, and Flicks. I am Mark Hoffmeyer and joining me is someone who just stole my thesis. It's Lisa Leahy. Hello, hello. Look, dude, I, I, I thought about it and I thought about it. And now that we're here, it's just, I, I can't possibly do anything else. I mean, I, I'm open to collaboration if you want. <laughs> you know, it's, your unsubtlety is amazing. Like you're just mm. telling me. I am. You're leeching off of my work. Yeah, and I got to the guy first, too, so mm, sorry. Can we trade notes, at least? I'll think about it. <laughs> I, have a, I have a theory. I have a Midsommar 2019 directed by Ari Aster mm-hmm. theory. Also, listen to uh, the episode that you and I recorded about Hereditary. Yeah, so I guess we need to uh, schedule something for Bo is Afraid, right? Yeah, absolutely. We need to finish <laughs> I mean, the, tr- the trilogy here. At this point. Now, Pele yes. is the mastermind. Yes. Because think about this. Pele likes Danny. He does. He does. He, he definitely really, like, does. I'm really happy that you're coming, Danny. Like He's just very happy. And he makes sure when they're in the bar to be like, yeah, they're all coming with me to Sweden yep. in front of Danny. Yep. Then he gives Danny a nice piece of work for her birthday. But he could have gone to Christian first and told him. But instead, he gives it first to Danny, then he goes and talks to Christian, which creates an uh, like a a fight, a rift between the two. Between Pele and Christian. Oh, between Christian and Danny. Because oh, there's always a fight between Christian yeah. and Danny, though. But like, but like Pele could have told Christian first. He didn't. He gave a present to Danny, and then he went to Christian. He knew what he was doing. Oh, then he definitely knew what he was doing he because said, that makes him the good guy. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't want to help the asshole, you know. Like, <laughs> that's not okay. And then he sets a rift between Josh and Christian because he knows Christian asked him first, but then he's Mm -hmm. like, well, Josh, I know it was your idea, but Christian asked me first. So I'm going to let him do it, but you guys get to share. So Mm -hmm. he, he plays that card. There's also the fact that he knows damn well that nobody's getting out of it. Exactly. And he doesn't tell any of them what's going on. Like I'm pretty sure he brings Mark because he just knows Mark's going to get killed. And he, he, You know, like that whole thing. He's like, "Oh, hey, my sister likes you, Christian." Yes. Like he's he's pushing on that. He wants Jack. He wants Christian to stray. He wants Danny to see it. 
He yeah. wants, I bet you they all rigged her winning the dance competition so that oh, she would sure. pick Christian to, to be burned alive. Cause he's already like, he already did the, the mating ritual. Like mm-hmm. he, he can't go back home and talk about that. He's so, expendable at this point. So the yeah. problem, like everyone talks about this movie, especially Ari Aster and everybody is it's like an operatic breakup movie. Yep. And what, what Ari Aster said was that this is like, he's like, I wanted her to be in this place. Like she lost her family. Now she has a family, but this is a woman who was really manipulated by her boyfriend in, in this movie. Sorry is said 27 times. And that's a, a surefire case of someone who is, being manipulated oh no yes. i'm sorry yes so she's being manipulated by christian and neither of them wants to break up with each other pele sees that he brings him to sweden and then it turns out that danny might stay there and he has a crush on her and she's lost her mind so this is a poor woman who not only had to deal with christian but then lost her family but then yeah. had a swedish dude named pele like being a machiavelli like being kaiser sozain an entire situation playing people uh, yes. against each other driving yep. her insane, making her part of the family. And then eventually, probably, he brings in new blood into the commune, and he has a wife who's lost her mind. Well, that's how cults work. That's how cults work. It's all about, you know, finding those people who are vulnerable and lost and playing upon those edges, right? Like, it, it's interesting, because if you look at this, you'll find a number of articles where it's, is this a commune? Is this an actual place um or is this a cult you know and i mean you look at folk horror and then there is a lot of that fuzzy line mm-hmm. of is this a commune is this a cult what is this whole thing exactly and it's always about the outsiders it's always about who do we bring in because we can't do things our, on our own you know like they talk about the incest and how they moderate that and how they they grant permission for mating rituals and you know like it, they can't just continue to mate with each other because if this thing goes years and years and years and years which they say it has you run out of people yeah <laughs> it becomes problematic and so then, it uh, seems and then that, they specifically know, inbreed to create seers yes yes who write the their book you know like it's sort of like their book of worship their book of everything and um yeah and, i mean it's totally a cult <laughs> Aster said he's like Aster said I don't see them as a cult they might be but I never call them a cult he's like they're a community and they are a family he's like I wanted them to exist as a place with a history and very clear laws and rules and traditions I think Aster was still uh hurting from this breakup that he based all of this on and he's just he wanted that comfort but that's not good comfort this is this is uh, yeah he said this is a breakup movie and that he wrote when he was going through a breakup yep and the problem is the breakup never matters in this movie because Christian, played by Jack Rayner, Jack Rayner even admits that he was being horrible as an act, like playing a horrible oh, totally. person to Danny. Like, there's no, like, so when he burns, the audience is supposed to be like, yeah, I'm getting over mm-hmm. a traumatic, traumatic relationship. And this is a great breakup movie. I am separating myself from my, I wouldn't say abuser, but like from my, someone yeah. I'm codependent on. Yeah, but he, she goes from one codependent relationship to another. And I mean, I, but that's what happens, though. Like, yes, that's that's true. I mean, that's the cycle. And yeah. so I, I've read a lot of articles about this movie where they're like, oh, that she's so it, that she ex- finally experiences glee and she's happy and she has a family. I'm like, no, no, no. Like she's in a death cult. 
And she's now, not feeling her own glee. She's feeling the, the commune's glee. Yeah. And so they all share the same emotions. But that's what happens, I think, with people with a lot of empathy who are from abusive relationships. Yes. They they develop this personality of yes, or they 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 are very they worry about other people's feelings first. They put yes. their feelings last. And yes. And but it's such a sad ending. But also another thing that annoys me about not not this movie, but the coverage of this movie. Aster in his interviews, and we talked about with this hereditary, he he's a sledgehammer filmmaker. Mm -hmm. He does not do subtlety at all. And he admits to that. He's like the, the painting in the beginning of this film, the mural is 20 seconds and it tells the entire story. Yep. And then they're like, oh, what's that? Oh, that's a bear. What's that? Oh, that's a sacred temple. You show the girl putting a love rune under his bed or Maya putting a love rune under his bed. His drinks yep. are all you have to do are watch his movies. But people are like 18 hidden details you never saw. And yep. it's like the mural. I'm like, no, they showed the mural for 20 seconds. And, and so I, 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 I just wonder the way people read these movies, Lisa. And this isn't a problem of the movie, but I just think he's a sledgehammer filmmaker and he admits to it. But then I people agree. are like, did you see that scene with the bear? I'm like, well, yeah, because they, they talk about it. They talk about the bear. And later he's looking at a bear. Right. So I think it's because most people aren't movie nerds. They're not people like us who watch these things and know that everything, like a good movie, a quality movie, is going to be one that hands you everything. You just have to pay attention. And I think today's movie-going audience, you know, even 2019, people sitting in that theater didn't see the bear, didn't see the the mural because they were looking at their phones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah. they missed things because they don't pay attention. And even people who watch things at home, far too many people, myself included lately, like they have focus problems and they, they can't actually pay attention to what they're being shown. And therefore you do miss things, you know? That's, that's I remember I remember rewatching this and just looking at it and going, oh, damn, there's that mural at the beginning that we all probably thought was important. But when you're in the movie theater, you don't have a pause button. Yeah, you can't go back and refer to it. You can't look it up, you know. So, I mean, there's things that you're given, but unless you have a razor sharp memory, which I don't anymore, you're not going to remember all these things. I guess the thing is with with him is that with Hereditary, the opening shot of the necklace and then the cult member staring and then she's mm -hmm. allergic to nuts and then they slam on the nuts and then they show the light the light pole for 20 seconds with the symbol. <laughs> and then yes. they, they, they have highlighted sections of text that they want you to read. So this is this is like, like his movies are kind of like following an like a old school map quest printout where you just read. <laughs> I loved those. But like he, he gives you everything. Yep. And uh, you know where you're going and yet you're still surprised. I think I th that's genius. And I think what else, and I think what else he's successful at is look at Tom Cruise. I think Tom Cruise is probably the smartest film star producer on the planet. He right is now. the biggest movie star of our lives. And let, let's go back and look at Top Gun Maverick. The mm -hmm. first half of the movie is about training for a mission. Yes. That teaches you everything about the mission. The second half of the movie is the mission. Yes. So when they're on the mission, you know what the mission is because you've been training for it for an hour. Yes. With the Mission Impossible franchises, I, I just had to analyze all of them and write a script for fandom about the by the numbers. Mm -hmm. Like in each Mission Impossible movie, like Plutonium is mentioned 32 times in Fallout. There's mm -hmm. a reference to time every 2.3 minutes 
in Fallout. Yeah. They they talk about what they're going to do, and then they do it. So here's the plan. We're going to this place. There's two bombs. We need to detonate <laughs> it. He has a keychain. So when you're out, when they're out there, you're like, oh, okay. That's I know exactly what's happening. Yes. Tom Cruise has studied audiences, international audiences around the world. Like, well, yeah, international. I don't have to say around the world. But he's studied audiences, and he knows that that you need to like like a good speech i'm going to tell you what i'm going to tell you i'm going to tell you it and then i'm going to tell you again what i told you right so it's tom cruise is a master of that and i think also ari aster does a great job of just handing you thing like these themes like he mm -hmm. if you just pay attention you'll know exactly where it's going but it gets there in an alternative route which what what he says Yep. And, and, you know, it's like you're walking to a mountain that's 100 miles away, you're going to go through different terrain, you're going to walk by cool rivers, there's going to be some roadblocks, like, you know, where you're going, but you don't know how you're going to get there. So it's, he's a smart guy. And that's why he's made two of A24's highest grossing horror films. Absolutely. Because of the way that he guides audiences, but he also provides leg legitimate shocks, mm -hmm. which I dig. It, I mean, I think that's fascinating about it, you know, like to know what's happening. And to still be blown away by it, there's there's a masterful touch to that. You know, I mean, I, Hereditary remains one of my favorite movie going experiences in the theater ever. I saw that movie twice in the theater in a week because I couldn't stop talking about it. It's a great, um, it's a great heist movie. I, oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's true. <laughs> it is. It's like the Ocean's it's Eleven with white yes. collar occultists. <laughs> I love it. That's such a great way to look at it as a heist movie. Don't tell yeah. anybody about that. I got, I have an article. You got to write that one down. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. That'll be a new take on it. I just, I love a movie that will surprise me. And, you know, I sat up in my seat and exclaimed out loud in the theater, you know, like jump scares don't bother me. I know they're coming, whatever. But this thing, I absolutely shot up in my seat and I was like, oh, Jesus out loud in the theater i mean i'm not that person typically and to have that was this absolute 100 percent delight and then you know midsummer comes out and i'm like oh yes i'm going to see this too and you're just this is a two and a half hour movie that feels like it's half an hour long because you are so engrossed in what's going on you don't see the time go by and the sound design and the mix and oh, everything. Uh, my schedule's crazy. So sometimes when I uh, I don't have time to do a full rewatch. So when I commute to work, I put my phone out of the way, but I play mm -hmm. the movie and I listen to it. And just listening to the sound design, the way it's mixed, the noises, mm. like he really knows what's going on. Yeah, he's Th very, very good. And also too, let's let's not beat around the bush. I mean, this guy hires Tony Collette and Florence Pugh to anchor his movies. Yep. That's smart <laughs> absolutely it is they this, are both brilliant in these films this doesn't work these movies don't hit if you don't have these actors and and florence said that this movie paid a he played a, like a huge toll on her mm -hmm. and I, I love one of her quotes because they're in the middle of nowhere and they were didn't film in in sweden they filmed in hungary mm -hmm. but i i love that she's like i was let's see we were shooting in a very hot field with three different languages so i wouldn't say that all of it was pleasurable you continued about making the movie also it shouldn't be why would making a movie like that be pleasurable and she said that when she was looking out of the plane and on her way to film little women she felt immense guilt because it felt like she'd left danny in that field in that emotional state so she couldn't leave the character behind so this movie really stuck with her yeah and like what she's able to do though like the way that she's able to just say i'm sorry and pull off that like that's a 
that's a it's a really good performance of someone who has seen a lot of trauma and someone who has what, what do they call it an, altru- an altruist altruist it, yeah. yeah and and she does a great job at that of backing down at every moment mm-hmm. when he when she goes you know what i'll wait and to, to his credit the one time ever christian's like you know what we'll wait yeah and then she's like you know what we'll just do it we'll just do it we'll just do it it's fine i don't want to be trouble and that's why i hate pele more because he knows that's her and he knows mm-hmm. that like getting her there she'll just continue to do that right well that's why she's the perfect target you know and he knows that he's gonna win because you get when they get there when they exit from the the into the clearing from the the giant sun arch thing they've got and you see all of the people who have left and have now returned for this ceremony this ritual whatever you want to call it this festival you know like all of the people who have become who have been exchange students all over the world have brought back their offerings you know, and you can see these various people reuniting with their families. And then you see these people who are very clearly outsiders because they are all wearing darker, um, more um, distinct colors from the white that everyone in the commune wears. So they're very easy to pick out. And there are all these pairs or like trios of people who have been brought back. And I, I think Pellin knows that he's going to win he's got the most damaged person and he's got the one that is absolutely going to be sucked into this cult. Dirtbag. Mm. I also, a Swedish audiences had a great time with this movie and I guess they laughed a lot. That's what I heard. Uh, and <laughs> I, I do, but I do love the relation the, what happens to Connie and Simon because, you know, I was dating Connie. No, you weren't. We went to a movie once and <laughs> there wasn't even a date. Yeah, but then yes. you started uh, dating... But then you started dating Simon and then he they're like, oh, we're going to have him do our wedding. And it's so weird. Yeah, And but it, it's just funny because, you, you know, you know that these people are dead. And yes. I just love that they got brought there. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I love I mean, there's a deviousness to these guys, these two brothers, Ingmar and um, Pella. They play that they don't know the outside culture, you know, like when when Pella gives oh my God, Danny, I couldn't come up with her name for a second, gives her the picture and he goes, oh, I don't know if it's appropriate. And she's like, oh no, of course, it's okay, it's okay. And Ingmar is like, oh, we were dating. And she's like, what are you talking about? We went on one date, you know? And so he's like, oh yeah, sure. We were just friends. Like he's pretending he doesn't understand the customs. When he abs, he's so manipulative. They're all manipulative. They all go out there and they play these innocent uh Swedish guys you know like the the tall blondes who are just gonna be oh I'm sorry I don't understand the culture I've you know lived in a small town my whole life they're so devious so devious they're disarming and they're totally playing on people and I love too what Aster said is when he brings Mark Josh Christian and Danny Danny's in a separate movie Mm -hmm. but Josh Mark Connie Simon and Christian are all in a folk horror film oh yes and Mark's a complete idiot like he's the classic oh, horny. Idiot. Will Poulter is so good oh, in this. Such movie. an idiot, and he's funny. He and, and then, then he—he's like, he's gonna kill me. Ol's gonna kill me, and then of course he gets. He kills him. He, and then he becomes a skin <laughs> mask. And then Josh, they take him to the sacred temple. Never take pictures of this. Oh, and then he comes back to yes. take a photo. It's and then also too like Connie. Connie's so different from Danny because when they're like, oh, Josh or Simon left in a car in a truck. Well, I could sit on his lap. We obey traffic laws. 
Uh, and then you just hear screw it's Connie knows this whole thing is bullshit. Exactly. And so that's the wrong person to be brought. And the guy who brings them burns. So it's I, I think Pele gets gets let's see, Pele gets honored and the other guy gets burnt to death. Yes. But it's well, he failed. Yeah, exactly. Because Connie, they did not they weren't people that you could just do that too yep you picked the wrong people oh man so listen i think this movie is i'm a much bigger fan of this over hereditary which you is a heist movie aren't. i am i love okay. I, the midsummer's i think is a better movie hereditary okay. to me like i said it's just a heist movie <laughs> there's nothing there's absolutely nothing about hereditary about mental health it's about a grant a, a mom who wanted demon money and so she just tries to corrupt her family. Yes, that's right. Remember, like her, she, her husband kills her, the husband kills himself not because yep. he has mental health. It's because his wife is trying to insert a god of hell, a king of hell, into their son. Yep. And then you know it's crazy too. They they once once Tony Collette wisens up, she takes her son away, but then she lets the daughter hang out with her mom, and her right. mom's like, "Well, I don't want a cult from the East Coast to get payment, so I'm just going to shove." I'm just going to shove payment into this girl yep. to keep as a placeholder. And then yes. we're going to decapitate her on a pole. And then that's going to wear everybody down. And then it's time to act. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a heist genius. movie. It's a heist movie. It <laughs> it's is. a very, it's a slow burn, uh, waited out kind of thing. I but, mean, it, what successful heist doesn't require patience, ex- right? <laughs> it's like Shawshank Redemption. Yes. But you, you know, he escapes after it's not a heist, but his escape took decades. Yep. Patience. And and the thing is, none of that mental health stuff is real and hereditary because it's all caused by a cult. Like the yeah. people aren't so that cheapens it for me. But with Midsummer, summer, whatever, yeah. it's about it's about a woman who legitimately has issues being manipulated. And that's devious and it it is funny. <laughs> To a certain extent, it's oh, yeah. it's layered, and so I think this movie is much more mature than Hereditary, which is cheapened by the heist and the demon money. See, I didn't. I disagree on that. I don't think it's cheapened. That being said, I I am more of a, a demon girl in general, so those <laughs> kinds of stories are more appealing to me. I am intrigued by like humanity is worse than any supernatural being you can come up with kinds of films too. So that's why I think Midsummer is so genius because it it really does prey on a number of levels. You know, it pay, it preys on Danny's emotional fragility. It it preys on the asshole ego of Americans, right? Because the the two London people are like, we're not doing this, goodbye. Whereas the Americans are like, we're totally going to infiltrate this and nobody will realize what we're doing. Oh, they see very clearly what you're doing because you're being obnoxious about it, right? Like Josh accuses Christian of being unsubtle. Whereas, you know, he's told, he turns to Pella and he says, can I take photographs? And Pella says, or Ingmar, I don't remember who he's talking to, says, well, be discreet. And Josh holds the phone up and yeah, is but- taking these pictures. I mean, he is nothing but obvious. And he gets pissed off and Christian is exactly the same way. I mean, for this guy to have the the ego and the ignorance and the disrespect to go into their temple and take photos of their sacred book. I mean, it's an ego thing. It, he's so disrespectful of their beliefs. Now, granted, 
their beliefs are screwed up and scary, but the idea that you could go to a sacred, because he's saying he's going to go to England next, he's going to go to Germany next, he's going to do the same things. So there is very clearly a disrespect and a selfishness in these guys. And I think that's emphasized to show just how altruistic Danny is and how she sacrifices everything for everyone else. Therefore, everyone is sacrificed for her in the end. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. No, I mean, listen, <laughs> that was so succinct. It's like, how do I even add to that? And, and... Ah, it's been nice talking to you. See you later. <laughs> I'm out. See That's you later. the shortest podcast we've ever done. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Now, quick question. Now, Connie, Simon, Mark, Josh, Christian, like, let's say they all showed up and just participated in the events. You mean would like they if they behaved? Yeah. Would they still be killed? Yes. They'd so be like, oh, totally, totally. I think they'd be like, I think they would, if you forgive this term, they wouldn't be the um, as important in the ritual, right? So Connie and Simon are kind of just extras in the nine, whereas Christian is like the focal point, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that if Josh and Christian and Mark had behaved, they just would have been either discarded or they would have been low on the uh actual levels of what they were required to do because the blood eagle sacrifice mm-hmm. and when when they come in and and like simon's corpse is the blood eagle mm-hmm. which on that show vikings did it a really good blood eagle by the way just want everyone to know that it's, it's an impressive i, I, I don't know eagle. what to do with that scene <laughs> i mean well it's very bloody but you just look at it and you go oh oh what's going on there yeah and i love that mark's corpse skin becomes just an outfit for somebody they oh. hate mark so much he is a horrible <laughs> he's on there horrible person but i want to see outtakes of will poulter being mark because i he's just so funny and that frankly he is the quintessential what people think americans are mm-hmm. you know he's looking for sex and he needs to piss so he's going to pee on a tree like think, he doesn't yeah. care where it is he's just gonna do his thing and he's he's not even remorseful there's a guy i mean it's the equivalent of peeing on somebody's gravestone and he doesn't even apologize for it yeah i peed on a tree whatever and then and i i think you're right they are a great blend of americans and listen I'm not going to say all Americans go over and travel overseas and are ugly, I agree. but you're right. Like yeah. when I was in South Korea, the vision of Americans were M&M. Like there's a lot of M&M t-shirts. Yep. There was a lot of guns. Yeah. People like when I would be in a cabin, people like you have guns. There was a lot of kind of hip hop type stuff. Like the, in, in 08, 09, that was kind of what America, that was like what everyone associated America with. Like mm-hmm. everyone asked me if I had guns. I'm like, well, not on me, but it's, yeah, I, I think there's such a good showcase of that because William Jackson Harper, Josh, we could call him the good place. He shows up and kind of tells people about things and said, oh, and then like, does that make sense? He's very, he doesn't listen. He takes the photos. He sneaks. He's yeah. like, he's, he's just very brash. And then he's you get the Christian. academic. I'm here for the purposes of learning. No, you're there for the purposes of getting a degree. And respecting and their culture. Them exactly yeah. and christian is the sort of bro and mark well will poulter mark is the idiot so like they're the classic <laughs> sort of tropes yes that that i don't know why i brought that canadian he's just bit, looking but, to get laid yeah yeah and like but he's in a total he's an american pie 
Like he's in he's in a Friday the 13th full core movie. Yep. Yep. Which is kind of funny. Like they're in a well, completely he's the one different you hope movie. goes first. You know, like he's the expendable one. And then I, I kind of like how Simon's like, oh, this is so cute. Like he Simon uses the word cute. Yep. About the the events. And and even though they duck out and I respect them for that, and you know, but then they get blood eagled. Yeah, there it is. It's, they it's, try to dip, but mm-mm. you really just sort of have to respect those cultures when you go and a lot of people try to interject themselves into it but you're not in your country you're in their country so respect exactly. it even and though I you're a cult and the cult's going to kill you that's exactly what's going on with simon and in in connie the first sign of oh this isn't good they try to leave you know mm-hmm. they're smart you know right after the um the elder ceremony the the uh, the word that begins with a that i can't remember at 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 something oh um, yeah i have it i have it pulled up here let me pull that um yes please at at testupa at, uh, at a stupa yeah yeah at a stupa yeah yeah at a stupa at the first sign they go we're going goodbye like this is not okay whereas you know danny is off by herself and christian comes up to her to see if she's okay and she turns up she goes aren't you disturbed and he goes yeah that was that was really <laughs> concerning but you know we're we're in a different place and it's a different culture and he's dismissive is the only word i can come up for it like and i think there's really something to that where people if it's other it's this othering right like mm-hmm. they go and they say well because it's different i'm going to just say oh it's it's inferior you know and in the simplicity that pella and ingmar both play off to their friends is this idea of, oh, I don't know what it's like to live in your culture, you know, teach me. There's this submissive status play. And that's how they disarm these individuals. That's how they get these people to come back because they all think they're going to visit this area and see this quaint little thing. And they're going to say, oh, how cute. And then they're going to go back to, quote, real culture, real civilization that frankly deserve everything they get because they're so arrogant about it. Yeah, just you you just watch two people fall off cliffs and then get their ha- head smashed and Pele never Pele never warned you about this. You leave. Right. This I could mean, have been not a- to mention, you know, Josh the pedantic asshole, here's the word. Here's the atastupa. <laughs> and doesn't tell and, anybody. And doesn't tell anybody because he's so thrive thriving on his i'm the intellectual i know what's going on so i'm gonna hold on to it you know and there's that great shot where you're looking at um christian and danny and josh and then josh kind of moves to the right side of the frame and now it's a frame of josh and pella and so it's like there's the ones who know and there's the ones who don't know Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna join the ones who know because i clearly understand what's going on here so he's got a different kind of arrogance but he is still that other not to mention the very clear racial difference right like i wonder how much choice went into that to even further emphasize the fact that this is the only african-american um individual this is the only black person because they're not in America, they're in Sweden. There's there's none of that. And he is the most intellectual, but he uses that intellect as a weapon too. And he uses it to fuel his arrogance, you know? So it's this idea that I'm not like those idiot Americans. I'm better than them because I know what you're doing and I respect what you're doing, but he doesn't respect it at all. So he gets his in the end too. 
yeah, he gets got. And I mean, I, I know that Archie Mata, uh, the guy who plays Simon, Archie Madekwe, he's mm-hmm. his father's Nigerian and Swiss, and then his mother's English. And then Alora Torchia plays played by Connie. Like they're also the other people of of color right. in this film, and they all get murdered. Yeah. And this question was asked to Ariaster about that, and he did bring up that there are some signs in this movie of of like when they when they enter into let's see he found it when when you have um there's a nazi book on prominent display in an early scene and he's like in the banner that you see in the trailer as the group travels to the village says stop a mass and uh vinger till housing yeah. it's stop mass integration yeah so he said like it's that's definitely there he's yep. like i'm glad people are catching it it's an important part of the movie for sure so i thought that was interesting uh so that's interesting that you point out that that Simon is also, I thought they were both Indian. I thought they were both Indian. So it's interesting that you put that out there, that his father's Nigerian. I missed that. But yeah, um, the, like, I and, did see that he's not, you know, he's not that quintessential, you know, white bread American idiot kind of thing. He's um, not Will Poulter, who's English. And I like yeah. very much that they're both from England. It's like, okay, we are a little bit better at this than you guys are, although we are still from where it all kind of originated. So, you know. They've had um, a lot more folk horror in their oh, lives. <laughs> it's it's such a it's such an interesting commentary. And I think they're both I also just love that like the people of color are the smart ones, but it's it's you know, Josh who's smart in a different way, he's book smart, whereas the two of them are just common sense, like this is terrible. Let's go. You know, like they're, yeah, they're the ones who are like, goodbye. Yeah, they just thought it would be a nice little trip, like yeah. you said. And and uh Astor had this to say. He's like, you will notice that the white members of the visiting community are used more than just their bodies, are used for more than just their bodies to be sacrificed, whereas the others are thrown aside. It's in the margins of the film and it's kind of consistently in the periphery. So I don't want to talk too explicitly about it because the film is not a polemic. Although there are politics strewn in, but yes, there are allusions to Swedish history, especially in the last century. So he was aware of that making yeah. this movie. Yep. Which is just another layer to enjoy the film. I love it. I just, I think it's so good. But it's so it's interesting because I want to bring this up now. You sent me a video and I already forgot who did the video. Give me a second. Yeah, what do you I think mean, about it? I loved it. I'm like, this is really, really interesting. Because I says he loves it. Sorry, like the guy loves these movies. He has posters. He has the 4Ks. Yes. He brought up some interesting points. He's not wrong. I do disagree on his comment about hereditary because he says, and you're kind of in the same boat almost where you're talking about like the whole demon thing cheapens it. For me, I think it's it's great because that's the whole point of it. You know, like I love demon stories. I think it has to do with my Catholic, 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 put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, the Catholic <laughs> upbringing. But I find those kinds of stories really interesting because as Americans, we dismiss the possibility. Whereas everywhere else in the world, like people still believe in demons and they believe in this possibility and this this faith that there are things both above and below that we do not understand and we cannot begin to understand them here in america we're like yeah that's all uh mental health and that's all crazy people and none of that's real so let's dismiss that and then all of our american movies are about how we're all very wrong but i i like i like hereditary but his comments on midsummer is that the characters are so bland that you don't care about any of them. 
I think it's an interesting commentary. I don't think it detracts from the film, though. That's where I diverge from his opinion. He's got this idea that, and he's right, where you do not care about Christian and Danny's relationship, right? And you don't care about any of these people. So then when it all falls apart, who cares? But that goes back to what you were saying initially, where you talked about how we know where this film is going. And frankly, this is classic Greek tragedy, right? Like it's opera, it, he said. This is opera. Yes. All of this stuff, it, you know, operas, these classic, they're all based in the same foundation. Yeah. Exactly. Where, like, mellow, like drama, like very, yes. yeah. Yeah. But drama where the audience knows exactly where it's going. It's all based in that catharsis, that that expenditure of pity and fear, where you're looking at what people are doing and you say, oh, you poor schmuck, this isn't going to end well for you. It's not about what the ending is going to be. It's about how we get there. And yeah, I think yeah. that's what's cool about this. Go ahead. And like, listen, Aster had glee in having the deaths off screen. We don't see Simon die. We don't see right. Connie die. We don't see Mark die. We see Josh get bludgeoned, but we don't see a lot of the death. Right. Aside from people getting their heads smashed in oh my after jumping off cliffs. But it, it's, he, he took delight in, in sort of not like, okay, let's say he makes Josh, Christian, Mark, Connie, Simon, incredibly three-dimensional and likable people. And then murders them throughout the movie that changes the tone of it. And it takes away from the ending, which is Danny's break and her right. separate separating from Christian by a very extreme manner. Yes. But that's the point of the movie. This is a breakup movie. This is yep. not a let's like everybody in the film. And I think the, the, I think the humor is necessary in this movie with Mark being such an idiot totally. and Josh, being just just being like kind of bulldozing people and watching Connie and Simon be the smart ones and run away and then get absolutely played and then the way they're dealing with it, oh they're in a truck there's only two seats like yes. the lies just keep getting deeper and deeper it reminds me of the time when I played Santa and I ended up telling kids that Santa drives an H2 and <laughs> it just got the lies piled so deep on top of each right. other I didn't even know where I was anymore but it it that's not the point though right like this movie yes. is the, the point is to, and also he, he was going through a breakup and he, the one thing I don't like with, with breakups is I think everyone has gone through a relationship where someone else is, you know, may, I just don't like the whole idea of one person being a hundred percent at fault. So I think in this one, Danny, you know, they were together for three years. She does, four. she does. Oh, four. You're right. <laughs> don't forget it's four years. years. She does lean <laughs> on Christian a lot. And together for three years. Exactly. And he, no, he should. He absolutely. <laughs> and, but it's like, she never, like, I guess she's never presented without too many faults, I guess. And you can see that, but Astor was probably hurting after his breakup. And then he well, wanted she's to write presented it. as that quintessential psycho girlfriend yeah. where everything is a drama. Everything is over the top. Everything is she's sad. And I need you right now. She she's identified as being very clingy. But you the know, problem I'm, is, there's we, no we know point where why. she's okay. Exactly. Like, the, so it's not just like you know you have those clingy girlfriends in movies, but they have they're just clingy as a right. script device. This right. is a woman who's gone through insane anxiety. Yes, who, and trauma. Exactly, and her sister is bipolar, which yep. which it seems like she's been dealing with for years, mm -hmm. and so 
Yeah, you, I think you do need a stabilizing presence sometimes. And also when you have that kind of upbringing, you do look for those kind of people who are probably not like uh, the best relationship. Yeah. So I get it. Like, I, 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 yeah, it's just interesting the way that she's presented in the movie. But I never once, I, I, I think I always rooted for her. Yes. And it's a great performance. And I think Aster actually writes the female character is really strong. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, 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 you're right. I, I wish I knew the name of the video right now, but he kind of said that nothing matters. So you don't feel anything, but that's not really the point. So the video is called, it's Meep Top, M-E-E-P-T-O-P. And the video is called Hereditary and Midsummer Are Fatally Flawed. I have it up here. Yeah, it's this interesting element where it, it's, there's a lot of classic points to it. You know, I kind of wish I could teach this movie, but uh, there's a number of things that means yeah. I cannot show this in a school. It, but the idea of how classic, foundation of storytelling is in here you know all of the things that you study all of those dusty old things show up here you know you've got mark the fool as the comic relief i mean that's perfectly shakespearean and he always shows up after something really severe has happened you know i mean you you read your classic shakespeare and there's always a goofy kind of scene that lightens the mood after something terrible has happened you know i go to hamlet and you think about the end of act four we find out that ophelia has tragically drowned spoiler alert and in the very next scene act five scene one you have two grave diggers who in some publications are called clowns and they're just goofing on digging people up and you're like what is happening what are these people doing this is ridiculous but i can't help but laugh that's what mark does mark is pissing on a tree and you're laughing at the fact that he is so oblivious to it and then you're empathizing with the poor guy who's on his knees sobbing at what this guy, what this foolish American has done. And it, all of these elements just fold so perfectly in here. And it's what I love about Ari Aster is even though he's a sledgehammer filmmaker, even though he gives you everything, that dramatic irony of knowing every single decision is going to turn out bad for them. <laughs> the dread of an A24 horror film, you know, like they talk about this resurgence of horror, this artistic horror, this whatever the hell it is, horror, it's A24. They know how to focus on dread. And that's what's missing from a lot of horror films in general. You know, the stuff we goof on, the slasher films, the, the you know, whatever it is, you're not feeling dread. They're jump scares and they're cheap because they come a dime a dozen. But that to be able to masterfully put together this feeling of, oh God, through the whole two hours of film is genius because it doesn't happen. This movie was either going to be brilliant or cheap and he makes it brilliant because the, the characters are very simple and everything is very basic and everything is handed to you on a silver platter and yet it works and it works well. I mean, this is going to be historically the it, the top echelon of folk horror. This is right next door to the homage of the Wicker Man because it's that good. I think the Wicker Man's number one, and there's a Always. lot more other. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I, the story wise, I love the Wick, the the OG. Yes, a lot. I, I joined Tony Everyone's on his show, the Wicker Man there. Pod. On the Wicker yep. Man Pod, I joined Tony and had a great time talking about. Yeah, it. I'm in there somewhere. I don't. I think it's a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, I love. I love that movie so much. And 
you know, Aster said that I've always seen Midsommar as a fairy tale. Orphaning yeah. your main character is the oldest fairy tale movie in the book. And that was important for the where the film goes. So like you said about the classical elements, I mean, this guy went back to fairy tales. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he talked to Disney flourishes, which a lot of those are what Grimm's tales. Yes. Which so he basically grounded it in that. I guess yeah. my biggest problem with Aster is I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm not even lying when I say this. I, when I saw Hereditary, I just watched the screen and I was like, okay, this is going here. Okay, that means they're going to whap that. Oh, there's the, like, I, I didn't find any surprise. And when I was watching Midsommar, like I knew, like when they're like, oh, that's the secret room. Oh, that's this, that's this. This is what's going to happen here. Oh, oh, we can't come in this room. We can't take this. And then, I don't know. I just, I just saw it. And he even says it. He he legitimately says that. What, where's this quote? He he, Aster just said, "I know exactly where they're going." I, I don't know. I guess that takes away from me. He's like, "I think the fun of the film is that the contribution of the folklore genre uh, subgenre." So it goes exactly where you're expecting, but the surprise, uh, but the surprise is in how it feels to get there. It's like the guys in the movie are in a folklore movie, but the main character and girlfriend, one of the, of one of the guys, Danny, turns out is not. She's in something else. And she's our conduit. She's a person that we're attached to. So it's her movie, not theirs. But he says it like he goes, it's going exactly where you're expecting. And for me, I, I have a much better time with movies like Barbarian mm-hmm. or yes. Malignant that you see things in those movies that I, if you, no one could have guessed where <laughs> Malignant was going. Or uh, Barbarian. Or a Barbarian. I There's mean, a, good gracious. Like, I get I got more joy from the scene in Malignant where the sister, Maddie Hassan, who's great in We Summon the Darkness, goes into a an old abandoned psychiatric facility and oh, oh she's dead. Great, she's yep. dead. But then <laughs> later on, she's just watching a tape at her house. Yep. Like, there's so much joy to be had in that. And with James Wan's sort of funhouse vibe aesthetic, those are the movies I love. Yes, so when I, I when I watch like Midsommar, when I watch Hereditary. I don't know why, but I'm just so able, like, I just, you just watch it and you know where it's going. And I don't find a thrill in that. I really don't. I, but I, you know what's going on with Midsummer. So why does Midsummer work, but Hereditary doesn't? Well, because I think it's not cheap. I think Hereditary is okay. cheap. Like, I, I love what you said about demons and, and like, I, that aspect is, is really wonderful to be explored. But you look at Exorcist, right? That demon is just a demon. Mm-hmm. When you look at Rosemary's baby, they want to put the Antichrist into mm-hmm. somebody. Hereditary, they have a picture of Payman sitting on a bunch of gold. And they're like, oh, yeah, money. <laughs> like, it's a bunch of people who want cash. Yep. They want demon money. And yep. that cheapens it. Like, you watch a movie like Take Shelter, which oh, or Young Adult, which so I good. think those two movies capture mental health issues yes. beautifully. Yes. And they don't cheapen them. They don't cheapen them at all, and they respect. Like Take Shelter respects people. Of the Take Midwest. Shelter is so good. Young adult respects people in yep. in in what? Uh, where were they? Minnesota? Yeah. So oh, somewhere. somewhere somewhere in North yeah. Midwest. Um, like, somewhere Midwest. They yeah. don't Fargo it. It's right. It, it's a movie like they respect. It's not a parody. Yeah. yeah, and I think they treat it with a dignity, whereas Hereditary, there is none of it because they're all just being tricked and gaslit by a a cash hungry cult fair well i i don't like it i I think midsummer is better because of florence Pugh Mm -hmm. and the way that she is able to portray her character with all the saris with Mm -hmm. 
with with just the empathy with the altruism and the way that she's manipulated it's quite devious mm-hmm. so they use that against her and i think that that is more interesting than uh a heist movie totally fair i just i don't i don't think hereditary respects mental health issues and so i don't know that's just me but i mean listen you know what annoys me too about hereditary they're like they custom built the sets i'm like yeah but every set's custom built yeah that's nothing (laughs) yeah it's built like a dollhouse and they custom built it well yeah of course they have to custom build it Like, hey, never did you hear? heard that. I don't Lisa, think I've heard that before. Did you hear? No, that, that's what they said. Like, Lisa, did you hear about Hereditary? They built sets. Get out. They that's built, cool. And Get Out, it's great too. Great. Get Out's better. <laughs> get Out is brilliant. Yeah, the subtle way that they're able to establish their separation between the two main characters and Get Out through their wardrobe uh-huh. is wonderful. Yep. But yeah, no, but hey, let me tell you. So in Hereditary, they had a sound stage, right? They yeah. put a bunch of wood in it. And they Death. built the house. Incredible. And like, but people are writing Revolutionary. That. Can, you, can you believe it? Like, it it's bothers so me. Stupid. It, but, it is. It's but, cheap. That's a cheap way to, to praise it. But I also have to, to recognize this in myself where mm-hmm. I watched The Dark Knight, and Dark Knight fans are so abrasive that I wasn't a fan of The Dark Knight for a while. Mm-hmm. But that's not The Dark Knight's fault. Right. It is the fan. So I think people who talk about elevated horror, people who talk about A24 movies, I think they're relatively new into the experience of horror and they didn't grow up watching freaks bride of frankenstein dawn of the dead actual movies with social causes Mm -hmm. that they're thinking it's just happening now and that's fine like maybe when they get older they'll learn more about horror they figure it out yeah but yeah like with with the the all the heaping of like oh man did you see in in midsummer that they have a mural for 20 seconds like yeah like I, I, was I think the very movies, first thing you saw. <laughs> these movies are worth praise, but I, I think maybe I get a little sour on them because of the fans. But that's not A24's fault. That's not Midsummer's fault. That's not Hereditary's <laughs> fault. It's, it's just, I think people who don't know horror, or the the, I mean, like look at the people who are directing for Universal back in the day. Like it, it's just, if you knew more about how horror, you wouldn't just be talking about elevated horror like it's something new i don't know mark your josh is showing (laughs) (laughs) right though don't you think so no i totally agree with you i mean see that's the thing you know like we we both teach we have students who come up to us knowing that we're movie fans and oh my god did you see this great movie and it's like i didn't like that movie at all and they're like what do you mean it was so great i'm like yeah you've seen like a fraction of the movies I have like it's not for me it's for you you know like I have kids who saw Boogeyman and can't believe that I didn't like it it was like well it's not for me it's for people who've not watched horror before and yeah it's cool I'm glad you liked it but you know call me in 20 years when you've seen more things it is good um, gate- gateway horror though and that's but, just but it. nothing happens PG-13. in it though. there's no, no meanness oh, it's so to boring it, it oh, almost made it put me to sleep almost yeah it's uh, and stupid me, I prioritize that over Spider Man. Yikes! But yeah, you went and watched it. What a beautiful movie! I did. Oh God, it was so good. I did go to it, but of course, I'm the horror fan. I'm going to go to the horror movie first. One but... thing that has helped me though with cinema is yes. that there are billions of people on this earth, and we yes. all come from different places, and we're all different ages. So I've just, and I've also witnessed incredible movie snobs. Mm-hmm. So I get a lot of flack sometimes for not being negative enough or not being oh. haughty enough. And That's stupid. Yeah, it's like more, <laughs> you know, be negative. I'm like, no, I mean, 
I don't know. I work. I spent years of my life on film sets. Like I just under, I like, I like my, I don't believe in the magic of cinema. Right. I believe in the escapism. Yeah. I believe in how cameras have adapted, like the lenses for this movie that they had. Like they they shot mm. this movie in a field. The yeah. the cinematographer Powell had had students go out and measure where the sun was at every point of the day, so that they knew where to shoot and build sets. They they studied the sun. They, they knew where built the sun... their sets in this. Yeah, movie? so like they you yeah. know like they <laughs> yeah <laughs> get this. Oh man, but yeah, I was like, yeah, they built sets. Oh, um, but they they studied it. They yes. they they only got prime lenses for this movie. They had special lenses with Panavision. They did a lot of camera tests. It was actually it took them out of their comfort zones. It took them out of their custom built set for Hereditary mm -hmm. and into the sun, <laughs> into yes. a field, into another country. And that's what I love about it. Like that's that's I, I dig the the camera work, the way they yes. shoot, the wide shots with the prime lenses. I think it's all masterfully shot. And so mm -hmm. for me, when I think about cinema, it's more about the evolution of the art. What was popular at the time? What are the trends? Absolutely. This is a trillion dollar industry by this time. So I like to understand what makes it tick. Not so much what Nicole Kidman's saying when she's talking about AMC theaters, because it's oh all business. God. Yes. And so that's, I don't know, that whole thing has just made it easier for me to just enjoy any movie I watch because I'll put it in context. I'll understand what it is. And so I can pretty much talk to a lot of my students about what they love. Cause I don't want, you know, we all know that haughty teacher, like that haughty person. Right. So I don't try to be that person. And but, I think uh, there's something to that. You know, a critic doesn't have to be critical. You know, no, it doesn't have no. to be negative. You're somebody who has pure joy in, in watching these films, in counting the number of times that, you know, somebody says a particular word and this, like your stat articles are just pure delight in what you're studying and what you're working with. And there's not enough of that because it's all about what went wrong and, oh, why does, why did somebody only give it four stars? Clearly something was wrong with it. No, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. It means it earned four stars. That's a good thing. You know, like you look at these, these elements and people are constantly tearing it down because, oh, it's been done before. Everything has been done before. So now go see something that is just pure enjoyment. You know, and everybody's got stuff they enjoy and not all of it is, you know, Oscar worthy and who cares what's Oscar worthy anyway. You I'm know, a so terrible I, movie critic. <laughs> I think you're a great movie critic because you're that bright light of enjoyment. It's like, yeah, this may not be the greatest thing I've ever seen. However, I loved the hell out of it. But you have you to know? understand the context of it, though. Like people talk about the Lost World Jurassic Park and like it's not as good as Jurassic Park. And you're like, right. well, what is? Exactly. Like, what, it's a sequel. If like Scream Six is the sixth film in a movie franchise, like yep. you gotta look at everything in context. Yep, that's at least what I do. Uh, yeah. And I, before I even write a review, I have to research it. Like I can't just go write a review because I don't care that much about my opinion. So it's, I don't know, it's hard for me to write a review. It takes too long because I gotta read too much about the movie. <laughs> it's, it's such a, it's a homework assignment. I wish I cared more about my opinion. <laughs> that I could just write what I, I think. Critic, the critic who doesn't care about his own opinion. So I'm well, telling you. Well, that, right? That I'd rather have conversations with them about a movie than express my opinions about it. I'm them. the same way. I don't. I, I did do some writing before, but it's just, I, I'd rather talk about it. It's more fun to talk about it. I started off writing movie reviews and I realized it wasn't my world. So then I pivoted mm -hmm. to data articles and that's paid off. Like, I, yep. I think you pursue what you like and you realize your strengths. Absolutely. So, yeah. But now this, and I, I want to tell you something funny. So, all this talking about elevated horror. I was watching Evil Dead Rise. 
And I was like, this is good elevated horror because it's in a, in a high rise. Okay. <laughs> which isn't the meaning of it. I know what elevated horror is. But then I've been, I say movies like Devil are elevated horror. Yes. And it's. Because it's, it's in an elevator. <laughs> in a set. But they, I, I went, I pulled all the A24 horror films that yeah. I figured out where all of them take place. Like not the shooting location. So they didn't shoot in Sweden for this movie. This right. movie was not shot in Sweden, but it takes place in Sweden. So I found the elevation of where they shot this is brilliant yes so i figured out which a24 movie is the most elevated by altitude okay and the number one and two are hereditary and midsummer there we go because park city utah is just what five thousand feet above sea level i'm gonna take your word for it and midsummer is about 2200 feet amazing and i love that ariaster and they're the most successful Yes, so not are. only are they the most successful, they're by the same director and they take place in the highest elevation. Clearly, this is the key. <laughs> you have to make sure that you're as high up in elevation as possible in order to do well at the box office. We should do an uh, episode after I get this article out there where we pick our favorite moments of elevation from A24 horror movies. <laughs> so like on the cliff in Midsommar. In oh the attic God. in Hereditary, on the yes. stage in Green Room. Dude, on the ceiling in Hereditary. Yeah. Holy in, hell. In the attic, in the ceiling in the yes. attic. That's yes. double. That's double yes. elevation. Someone el- someone like levitates into a treehouse. Yep. They really go for the, the elevation. It's so there. good. Uh, in uh, Climax, they step up on a stage. Yep. In Tusk, they are looking down on Justin Long Walrus. There it is. So there's, we should talk about our favorite moments that take place in elevated <laughs> spots. I would need to like research and go through again and like double check everything. <laughs> I just did. Black so Coat's daughter is about like the basement too, right? Yeah, the basement. But then I, they do go on the second floor. They have their dorms That's up true. in the second floor. That is true. I don't know. I, I thought the creepiest stuff though was in the basement. So oh, now yeah. I start thinking about lower level stuff. And I should just I do it. Like which other? So I took points off if there were. I mean, basements. the lighthouse. No, the, is the lighthouse a twenty four? Yeah, lights, but yeah. see, the lighthouse is only 70 feet and they're right on the coast there out in by Maine. Mm, so, yeah. yeah, there is elevation, but not much. Like, math, like um, bodies, bodies, bodies are up in the mountains, but that's in upstate New York. That's a terrible movie. And none of them get that high. <laughs> you have. You well, have I mean, now positive. we can talk about the drug use and there's high. Oh, yeah, they're definitely there. high. Yeah, they're, they're definitely high. Kites in that I mean, midsummer, <laughs> he gets high. Or no, no, they get. Yes. Dr- and also, hereditary, he gets high. Yep. And also heads get decapitated, which is the highest point of the body. It is. I think there's another article for you to write here, Mark. Oh yeah, I already got it written. I just got to get it out You're there. Not I'm, trying to, enough. I'm trying to get paid for it first before I unleash it on my own. But... Oh, I'm sure somebody will pay you for this. Well, listen, this was awesome. And I'm, I'm so, so glad fun. we got to unpack this movie. Yes. And yeah, no, this is great. Thank you so much. Where, where can people find you, Lisa? And do you have people... anything else to talk about? No, I think I've, I think we've pretty much covered it. Oh no, you know what? I do want to talk about something. Actually, real quick, those moments where he's is focusing on the fact that we are voyeurs. Did you pick up on these? So there were two specifically that I and the caught. trees. No, so there's a moment when with the cliff with the the two elderly people again oh, with the this waves. word I can't remember. Um, no, so there's a moment when um i actually like took a photo of it because i was like oh my god that's a really cool shot if you go back into it so it's the moment when oh this is terrible you're not gonna be able to see this clearly at all but so i'll show you this shot if you like indulge me for a minute on my phone let's see if i can uh let's see if i can get it to i just see a white i can't it's just i see a white screen what what moment is i'll pull up on voodoo real quick okay so it's oh actually i can tell you that because i do have the timestamp. 
It's at 5801. 5801. I'm pulling 5801 it up right in now. the movie. My voodoo. I love voodoo. Because I was videotaping my iPad and it's just not showing up. 5801. What's the shot about? So it's a long shot. It's like really long of the cliff, right? And you see all of the people, all of the, the commune members at the bottom of the cliff looking up. And to the left are Danny, Mark, Christian, and Pella. And there's this typical commune, commune member to the right, a little closer to the camera. He just looks right at it. And he's looking at us. Yeah. And it's like, who's he looking at? Because we aren't Danny. We aren't Christian. We aren't Pella. And there's more than one shot like this where you've got this little wink of, hi, I know you're watching this and you think you're safe voyeuristically watching this, but uh, you're not. You're in this too. Oh, man. I talk about Sledgehammer filmmaking and I missed it. It's so good. And th there's another shot of it later, and I don't remember when, but this was the frame that really caught my attention. Like it went by and I'm like, wait a minute, go back. I need to see that again. Because when you look at this framing and you've got the cliff and you've got everybody there looking at it, and this is one of those shots where you can very clearly spot the outsiders because they're all wearing the darker colors, right? Um, mm -hmm. You can see where Connie and Simon are. You can see where Christian and Mark and, or it's a Christian, Josh and uh, Danny off to the left. But then there's this guy who turns and looks at us just for a second or two, and then he looks back. See that he's having fun with this movie. That's why he I think does. this is better than Hereditary. He just he's kind of like I, I'm trying to remember when the other one is because I stupidly didn't take a photo of it. But there are these moments when he's like, "I see you," and I'm acknowledging you because you think you're safe sitting in your theater seat, but here I am, and I'm going to watch you, and I'm going to show you that I know you're there too. Oh, that's cool. That's it's really like, cool. It's just, it's, that's my, I think my favorite shot in the whole thing, because you have this moment of, you know, like acknowledging and breaking that fourth wall just for a moment. And it, yeah. it's really blink and you miss it. Cause if you play that through, it's really, it, it's no more than three to five seconds long. That's a great find. I can't believe I missed that. <laughs> so 5801 on your voodoo. Technically. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Anything else you pick up that I didn't? No, that was it. <laughs> That was it. also if you want to watch another gnarly movie called, watch a movie called speak no evil it's about these people who are in this horrifyingly bad situation but they're just too polite to leave oh my and it's, god that sounds terrible yeah and it, it's it's called speak no evil and it's just a danish family visits a dutch family they met on holiday what was supposed to be an idyllic weekend slowly starts unraveling as the danes try to like deal okay, with wait, these there's a different one. I found 2022. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's but, one from 2013 that's very different. <laughs> yeah. They, oh, that's with Kane from WWE. They, right? Uh, this one? It's like a kill no. slasher picture. No. No. This one is Speak No Evil is the story of Anna, a single mother fighting to protect her daughter from demonically possessed children in a town gone mad. Oh, I'm watching that later. But yeah, it, it's about people being way too polite and okay, staying. So that, and it's 2022. So, it's very mean, but it's funny. Oh, Shudder, yes. It it goes there. Beautiful. All right, yeah, well, uh, Lisa, I'll, I'll go there as well. Where can people find you? So people can find me on Twitter. I am at FoolishMinion20. You can also catch me as part of the Rabbit Hole Podcasts Network. I am on a show called Between the Scares, which has finally returned. Apparently, our last episode was in March. <laughs> and we finally got our act together and put a, an episode together yesterday. I had no idea it was that long ago because I have been disgustingly busy. So I'm glad to be back. We talked about The Purge, Anarchy, which was super fun. I love those movies too. That's another one where I have a TED Talk. But 
Uh, you can also catch me on podcasts, excuse me, Rabbit Hole Podcast Book Club, Pictures and Conversations. And our next title is Out of Sight. We're going to talk about oh, that next month. Elmore um, Leonard. Yes, yes. We've got a few. I think it's our sixth episode. So we've got a number of them up already. We've talked about Kindred. We've talked about Fight Club. We've talked about Slaughterhouse-Five. We talked about, um, oh God, what was it called? Home Before Dark. Uh, we've got a few cool titles. It's a nice array of options. Yeah, I've also started streaming like a giant nerd um, on Twitch. So I'm on Twitch as Lisa Sally Haynes. So you can catch me there if you want to watch me what, play silly horror games like The Mortuary Assistant and Dead by Daylight. I'm not very good, though, so make sure you're aware of that. Because if you decide to follow me thinking that there's going to be skill, there's not. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> That's all. And, and listen, I know you're busy, so thank you so much for joining me. Oh, I love it. I'm so happy to be back in podcasting this summer. I've just had so much going on the last six months. So super excited to be back because this is, you know, this is what I love to do. And yeah, make sure to go back and listen to our other episodes. We have Hereditary Definitely. Super. No, not Super. Super's super is not me. Super. Nope. No, not Super. What's the other? Oh, Brightburn. Brightburn. Brightburn is me. Yeah, Brightburn. Because I was thinking James Gunn, but he directed Super and he produced he Brightburn. And we have other ones, but I can't think of them right now. Well, one but... of them is the Lost episode. Oh, the Lost. I was going to talk about that. We have the Lost episode, but I'm going to be coming back soon. Yeah, you will. Talk about another uh, film that is a bit contentious out there in the, the world of film nerds. Oh, tell, Super tell, excited. tell. Should we, is this a surprise? We can talk about it. Lady We're in the Water. Lady in the Water. Oh. Shyamalan. Most people gave up on him by The Village, um, which is another whole thing because I think that movie is the pinnacle of how not to advertise your film. Yeah, exactly. Um, because people just didn't understand what it was and when they didn't get what they expected they thought it was a bad film ah, um, this, you know this summer monsters are gonna eat everybody yes and i love that movie but i he didn't lose me until the happening because i love Lady what Hunter. i know it i, I love do. the happening to get out of here do you really yeah i haven't watched it since i saw it in the theater because i thought it was torment he swings uh, oh. listen if a director swings and misses i still love it because That's fair. he swung he pulled the signs like Marilyn swung away and he missed yeah. but i love he it missed expertly i mean the man doesn't do anything half-assed he's another sledgehammer filmmaker oh, but... yeah yeah he's a meat cleaver and i love it though like i i, I maybe i just like that kind of stuff i don't know but yeah he, his movies are much more earnest i like the earnestness of his movies see that's a good word for it because other people call it um uh self-elevating you know like it's all about me look at how great i am and you're saying earnest like i love what i do see me work at this you know i like earnest better those movies are earnest super earnest yeah and they'll scare you stupid some of them yeah. and earnest <laughs> highly... stupid they'll scare you stupid <laughs> it will indeed there's sets that indeed. they built in that movie they they built sets too <laughs> This is a new trend in filmmaking. They're building their own sets. Who knew? Oh, <laughs> I can't wait to chat Lady in the Water with you. Well, listen, the uh, we got to talk about it because the performances are just so, like, again, committed. I like, love it. Paul Giamatti goes all in. He does. It's wonderful. He does. All right, it's so, so good. Well, get ready for that conversation. So, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> Thanks for having me as All always. Right. I love it. So for me, Mark Hoffmeyer, and for Lisa Leahy, this is Movie Sons of Flicks. We'll see you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.